All right, welcome to episode 108 of the Three Point Podcast. Our trifecta includes our grandpa, Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 on the phone from Washington, D.C. I'm honestly kind of surprised he was even able to figure out how to call in, uh, but he did, so he's here with us. Our middleman is Matt Montgomery Burns of ESPN and SEC Network in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm the almost legal one. More coming on that later. Jared Fatello, Grand Valley State University, and Fox 17 in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our partners include Advanced Elevator, The Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, Rivals Tab House and Grill, Shared and Auction Service, The Corona Public Schools, ProMac Engineering, and our online syndication teammates, Sports Radio Detroit. Never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any other form of podcast retrieval services. Shoot us your comments and questions on social media at 3PointPod. Uh, we're going to get going right after this, but a couple of quick ad reads. Advanced Elevator Company features top expert field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators. An area business leader and longtime huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools and a proud partner of 3 Point Podcast. Rumors are swirling that I might stop into Rivals Tap House and Grill for my 21st birthday coming up in a couple of weeks. The official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. Cheer on the Spartans, Wolverines, Red Wings, and Pistons. Over 20 high-def TVs and awesome food and drink. Come on in Thursdays at 6.30 for their weekly My Viewpoint show. It's similar to Family Feud and Trivial Pursuit with great prizes and the best part, it's free to play. Rivals Tap House and Grill in Corona. Okay, fellas, the big news this week, it dropped basically right after we got done recording our last show. Mel Tucker is in at Michigan State, and I'm not going to lie, I had no idea who this guy was until he was hired at Michigan State. What, what did we think? Well, yeah, it was funny. You mentioned that it, it, the news kind of dropped after we recorded our podcast last week because it was like middle of the night, and we had been talking about doing a, a reaction video when or if you know, Michigan State hired a new coach. And when I saw the news, I think I was, it was at, it was when I first woke up, seven in the morning. I was like, man, do I text these guys and say like, hey, let's do this? And <laughs> I laughed when you sent your version uh, or your your take, uh, Jared, because like you said, you had just woke up. And I thought about that too. I was like, Jared's probably sleeping in unless you had early class. But yeah, it was crazy. Middle of the night. Well, Jared looked like he just woke up too. By the way, <laughs> I liked how. Th- Ted, I like how you were in the middle of your workday and you basically just said, I'm just going to go out to my car and record this. Is that pretty much how that happened? You just skipped work? That, oh, yeah, well, you know, I, I have a little flexibility after uh, so many years in the workforce. But uh, let me just tell you this. Like, we, we did talk about it in the videos, but I think uh, Mel Tucker is uh, the perfect hire. I mean, I know there's been speculation that Luke Fickle was their top choice, but I think this guy has everything, and I think the Spartans, at least on paper, you know, he has to has to show it on the field, but I think that's – you couldn't have had a better hire than that, especially the way the circumstances were. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing to me is the circumstances. I don't know if he is, like, best-case scenario hire for them. I feel like maybe if – Let's just say D'Antonio retired at the end of last season. Maybe they would have been able to get somebody else, maybe even Luke Fickle. Um, but, right, the circumstances, being mid-February, kind of a surprise retire from D'Antonio, um, and just trying, like scrambling for a hire. Yeah, you know, he has all the experience. He started in, in the Big Ten and with Michigan State. Nick Saban endorsed him and all that stuff. So I guess we'll see. It does have a little bit of a Brady Hoke hire type of feel to it, like <laughs> – you know, and I'm, it's not like trying to take a shot, but, you know, like Michigan fans were like super excited for similar reasons that Michigan State fans are excited for Tucker. Michigan fans were excited for Hoke, and obviously we know how that turned out. So hopefully Tucker's he's going to be able to surround himself with some good assistance. I think that's going to be big. So just to read off a little bit of his resume, I mean, he coached 10 seasons in the NFL for the Broncos, Jaguars, and Bears. He obviously coached with Nick Saban at Alabama, LSU, Michigan State. He stayed on with Antonio at Michigan State. And then most notably, he was the defensive coordinator for Kirby Smart at Georgia before going on to Colorado for a year. I mean, like you said, Ted, I think it was the best they could do given the circumstances behind like a Luke Fickle. But the reason I have a real problem with this is the news came out right after the Mel Tucker news was announced that basically what D'Antonio wanted to do is he wanted to coach throughout the 2020 season and then basically hire his successor. And the MSU administration basically said, screw it, F you, we're going to hire our own coaching uh, search firm and we're going to hire the guy, not you. Which I have a problem with because it's like D'Antonio, this is the same guy 
who had a heart attack mid-season and still found a way to come back and coach them to 11 wins. This is the same guy who was gave Michigan State their best decade ever. The best decade they're ever going to have. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's the best 10 years they're ever going to have as a program. This is the same guy who basically could have left at any point, gone to the SEC like you see so many coaches do, like Jimbo Fisher, Mike Leach, but he stayed home at Michigan State, East Lansing, weathered the storm of the Larry Dasser investigation and everything that came with it, and yet they basically said, you know what, we're not going to listen to you. Instead, we're going to bring in our basketball coach to – be a part of the hiring, the, the search firm process, who's interviewing these guys, which just seems like backhanded. Like, why would you not have your football coach basically do the same exact job that you're having your basketball coach does do? It just makes zero now, sense know, to me. Now, you know, that's a, that was just a, just a brilliant dissertation there by the young buck, but <laughs> you're a journalism major, right? Yes. Okay, I just have a question, now, and I'm asking this as an honest question. <laughs> was any of that... Was any of that verified that D'Antonio wanted to stick around and coach another year and pick his successor? That's a great story for talking heads like us. Has that been verified anywhere? Well, it came out from Rico Beard, and uh, I mean, you guys, Matt, you might know better than I do who he writes for, but it's a pretty credible like Michigan State news outlet. And it doesn't not just like all the tea leaves, the fact that we haven't really gotten the full story, the fact that he retired when he did, because I know people will say, oh, it's the lawsuit that was coming down on him. That's why he retired when he did. But I mean, look around the NCAA. I mean, Penny Hardaway was basically proven that he paid James Wiseman to come to Memphis and he's still coaching. Ben Simmons, same thing at LSU. Will Wade still coaching. It's like, I don't, I think maybe the worst thing that would have came of that is a couple of uh, scholarships lost and maybe Izzo gets a, or D'Antonio gets a slap on the, on the wrist. Like, I don't think anything would have happened there. So I think that this is the only thing that makes sense as to why he retired when he did. I mean, he's a high, he's a my way or the highway guy. And that's why you kind of got to respect it if he, if that is why he stepped down, which I think it is. Yeah. It's a legitimate, it's a legitimate reason if, if it's true, like I said, allegedly, if it's true, but, uh. I want to go back one second before you continue on. Do we really, do you, both you guys think that uh, Luke Fickle has a better resume than Mel Tucker? I think he has a better resume as a head coach. But, I mean, if you're, yeah. if you're, if you're looking at the overall resume, I mean, yeah, maybe Mel Tucker does. But I also, like, it's one of those things, like, you know, if you have a guy, what is he, he's in his mid-40s and he's been coaching basically like his whole adult life or whatever, everyone has like a pretty solid resume, you know, like unless you're just like a terrible coach and you just stay at some like D3 school your whole life, which isn't like a terrible thing, but you know, like, yeah, he's bounced around. Is it a good thing that he hasn't stayed at one school? Like I've, I've just seen some people talk about like what actually makes a strong resume. I mean, well, he's been, like, he's been bouncing around. He, he just now became a head coach for the first time when he was like 45. Why didn't he become a head coach, you know, a few years ago or something? I guess it'll be remain to remain to be seen how good a head coach he is. But just looking at his experience in the pros, and then with Saban and the other other coaches out there, and he did at least have a year under his belt at Colorado, so he he at least knows what to expect running the show. And let's face it, guys, with all the turmoil that Michigan State University has been under, starting with the whole Nasser scandal. What a feather in their cap, not only to hire an up-and-coming coach, but a minority. That that was brilliant, just the way it worked out for the Spartans, but that also is a positive. I see it's a positive, but it's also one of those things, like, it. Sh- I feel like it's a it's a shame that that's even, like, a footnote. That that's for sure. He should, he should just be hired if he's a good head coach. They shouldn't yeah. be like, let's go out and try and get a minority to try and get some positive headlines. They should just be hiring a good head coach. Mel Tucker's a good head coach. Let's hire him. It shouldn't matter if he's black, white, brown, whatever. Amen. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But, I mean, when you're at Michigan State and a place where Luke Fickle literally says the campus culture is part of the reason why he didn't want to go there, and I kind of find that hard to believe. I mean, I love negative Michigan State news as much as the next guy. But it's like, what did he do? Go on a tour of the campus? How was he able to get such a vibe off this campus on basically just a mere interview? I just thought that was a little bit of a headline grab, giving it basically more of a reason why he didn't turn it down instead of, you know, maybe it just wasn't the right fit. Maybe he didn't see eye to eye with the coaches. Maybe he doesn't believe in himself. I mean, I mean, in terms of your yeah. original question, the Mel Tucker versus Luke Fickle, I mean, Luke Fickle, you want to know what's on his resume? A loss to Michigan at Ohio State. And we know, I think we mentioned this, we know that's essentially impossible to do. That's essentially impossible. But he found a way to do it. 
And and Mel Tucker. And I saw Matt tweeting about this. And and I thought it was a good point. Mel Tucker, quote wait, unquote. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, go Jared, ahead. Wait, Jared. Jared actually thought that I tweeted out, and it was a good point. <laughs> when it's not, when it's not overtly biased against Michigan State, you make a lot of good points. I, I will agree with that. So here's here's what you said. You basically said Michigan State, quote unquote, wanted a coach that wasn't flaky. But yet, I mean, look at his resume. Mel Tucker's never had a job more than a, a year or two. He's kind of the definition of flaky, and now the news is coming out, and I think it's a little bit whiny from Colorado where they're basically all saying, you know, oh, like he hoodwinked us. Like, what a joke. That The fact that that was the word that they used, hoodwinked, it's like every coach yeah. does this. You don't blame him. So I do think that that was interesting yeah. how they basically contradicted themselves with the hire. Yeah, I guess, like, that. see, so, like, that's in regards to that, that Pat Forty um, article that he put out from for SI either today or yesterday, whenever that came out, but – I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that because a lot of people are saying basically what you just said, Jared, that, you know, a lot of coaches do this or this happens all the time, which I feel like is partly true. Coaches leave all the time. and We've talked about it a lot on this podcast. Like coaches can get, just come and go as they please, but players, you know, they can't because they have to go through the whole transfer process and all that. So that, that's a whole other discussion. But my biggest problem, and I've gotten to some good back and forth and caught some flack from some Spartan fans the last week or whatever. My whole problem with and why I think what Tucker did is a little unique is because like Forty talked about the, the night that he accepted the job at Michigan state, he's at donor events and he's on, he's going on radio shows talking about his commitment to uh, Colorado and he's using his whole slogan that hashtag relentless we're going to be relentless and now that's what Michigan State is grabbing onto and that's like the problem that I have like you know him taking the money it's an upgrade it's an upgrade of a job you, you don't have to take a shot at Michigan State it is an upgrade from Colorado he got way more money he's getting more money to hire assistants it's a no-brainer that he was going to take the job no no issue with that and the timing like we talked about earlier the timing it's just kind of like a crappy situation. That's when D'Antonio retired. So it's just kind of how that worked out. My biggest issue is the same with what I was saying last week about D'Antonio. If he's sitting there telling roots and telling the school, telling administrators and everyone that, no, I'm committed. And then all of a sudden he turns around and retires. Like I, I just have a problem with that, that he's just like flat out lying. And the same with Tucker, if he's at this donor event and he knows he's just about to announce that he's taking the Michigan state job and he's telling everyone he's committed. He's telling you know, players that he's going to be here for four years and he's telling players whatever he's he's spitting out there about supporting Colorado, but he knows he's lying. It's a bold-faced lie. He's flat-out lying. So, like, if I'm a Spartan fan, if I'm Spartan athletic director or administrators, how do you know that he's committed to Michigan State? That's my big issue. I, I would, if that is what happened where he did know before the big donors meeting, I do think that that, that, that is bad. That's clearly a lie. I do think that part of the timing might have been, though, what if he just happened to receive a call, you know, right after that? And, I mean, we wondered why it was announced at, like, 1 a.m. Maybe that was why, because Michigan State, basically, they found out Fickle, and they said, you know what, we're going to call Mel Tucker, we're going to offer him $6.1 million, which I've actually heard a lot of Michigan State fans complaining about. Like, he's basically getting paid $1 million more than Antonio. I don't understand that. Why would you be mad? People act like it's, like, it's coming out of the college fund. Like, it's the students that are paying the salary. No, it's sports boosters. It's guys like Ted. Like, Ted, I kind of wish you would become, like, a booster for Michigan. That's kind of a classic thing to add to the resume. But it's guys like Ted who are just older guys who love college football, who have who have some, a little bit of money to them, and they're donating it. Like, why would Mich- Why would people who are Michigan State fans have a problem with that? I don't get that. And another point on that is in the real world, in the, in the business world, guys, you know, I've been in the business world. I've been pretty loyal and stuck to my guns and with my companies I work for for the most part. But if you want to make business, if you want to make real money in this world, you you do jump from job to job because every time you make a move, you're getting a big bump in your pay. If you're not, you're stupid. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. That that's why I like him bouncing from job to job. If you look at his resume, go to Wikipedia, look at his resume, whatever. Each little stop that he made has been like a small jump, a small little upgrade or whatever. And then now this is obviously the big one. This is the huge, I mean, this is setting his life up. I mean, for the rest of his life, he's going to be good to go. It's it's just like, I, maybe it's me like trying to, I don't know, look at like, take the high road or however you want to say it. Like, I just have a problem with someone flat out lying, saying he's so committed to Colorado when he knows that he's going to take the Michigan State job if they offer more money. Like that, that's the only thing. 
I mean, like, yeah, the business world, especially the coaching world, I mean, it is kind of dirty, and it is, you know, a lot of... It's a shady business. There's no... It's shady. Yeah, and I just, you know, you do... And it's that, like, I saw people saying, like, people are acting like they care about these kids when, you know, last week they didn't care about these kids, and I I do get that. I'm not going to go ahead and act, act like all of a sudden I care about Colorado football and the kids on the team. I just, there is a side to me that's like, it kind of sucks for those kids that maybe there were some kids maybe going to try and go to the NFL, but they came back because they wanted to play for Tucker or there's recruits who committed to Tucker and they were going to go fly across the country, play for him. And now, now he's gone and now he's taking his staff to East Lansing too. So that's the kind of stuff that I'm like, it's just kind of shitty to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. It sucks. There's no doubt. It is shady, like you guys mentioned. A couple things I want to talk touch on on this topic before we move on to some other stuff we're going to be talking about, NBA All-Star Weekend, Beeline, uh, Michigan, Michigan State Basketball, among other things. What do you think about him keeping uh, Mike Tressel on the staff? Because I personally don't like that move. Because, I mean, basically it was Mike Tressel was waiting in the wings to take over for D'Antonio. I know he's a good defensive coordinator. I know he's a good mind. He knows East Lansing. He knows the area. But we saw what Greg Madison did to Michigan, that rat, Greg Madison, where basically he was with Harbaugh for a couple years, probably was bad-mouthing him behind his back, then jumps over to Ohio State. I'd worry about that if I'm Mel Tucker. What do you guys think? Am I just paranoid? No, I I do think it's interesting. I mean, Ted kind of talked about it a few minutes ago, like, you know, almost like a fresh start or however you worded it, Ted, like, you know, bringing in someone who's going to, like, wipe the slate clean. And you know, we we know all the stuff Michigan State fans and media have been saying about how D'Antonio was so reluctant to fire anyone on his staff. So it is almost like, and then Tucker starts bringing guys back from that staff. Right, Trestle has a good reputation and stuff, but there and he's brought a couple back, a couple other guys too, I think, back from D'Antonio's staff. So you know, it's kind of like the whole he preached like draining the swamp, and he's not exactly doing that. So yeah, if I had my brothers and I was a huge Spartan fan when I first heard that he came in and cleared the deck I thought that's what you got to do but does the fact that again we're going right back to the timing I mean there aren't a lot of coaches out there that you're going to sign right now they're already working hard in their other programs he's already having a problem you know he, he couldn't get his buddy from Kentucky to come to MSU and let's face it you got to have some coaches ready for spring ball don't you yeah yeah, look, to an extent, you got to fill out your staff. So, yeah. You're not just going to go hire – Ted, you want to go work for Michigan State? You want to exactly. go be a court? <laughs> yeah, I think it's 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 fair. And you also saw, like, Jacob Panushek, I think is how you pronounce his last name, the defensive lineman, basically said, either retain Trestle or I'm heading out. I'm leaving – I'm transferring from Michigan State, which I think is a little bit of a joke. He tried to act like he was, like, Michael Jordan or something. I guess it might have worked. Maybe that played into it. Uh, but, Matt, maybe before you mentioned what you were going to say, what do you guys think is a successful season for them next year? I mean, they do have the number one rated comp, like uh, schedule, the toughest schedule in the entire country with games against BYU at BYU. Editors note the game is against Miami. Michigan State does not, in fact, play BYU twice. Uh, hand up on that one. That was my mistake. Like, is there, is there, can they win three games and that's still really not a big deal? Or do you think that they maybe need to make a bowl game and kind of keep that D'Antonio bowl game streak alive? I think they need to be 500. If they go, if they're a three win, uh, you know, season, I think Tucker still gets a break because, you know, fans are going to remember how he got the job and what he was left. I mean, they don't have a lot of talent sitting there. So, I think this is a honeymoon year anyway, but I think I think he can show that he's a that he's a solid coach and the right guy for the job. If he can be around five hundred and make a bowl game, even if it's a lower bowl. Oh, I think yeah, I think if they're bowl eligible, I think that is like just a almost like a huge success for them, just because of the whole situation coming in so late, not really being able to get a recruiting class or a coaching staff. But and like like you mentioned, the the roster. I mean, they just lost a ton of talent, and they have a really bad recruiting class already. Not a whole lot of talent left over. And we've talked about it before. That quarterback position is a huge question question mark. So and the tough schedule. So I mean, they've kind of got like all the cards are stacked against them this season. But like you said, if he can be, if he can make them competitive, you know, he's a defensive minded guy. So if he can get, make them like a strong defense at least compete, and yeah, if they can get bull eligible, as long as they're not getting run off the field every week, you know, I, I think that'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. Maybe, yeah, no embarrassing stories, no 
You know, like we see what's, what's going on with Ohio State right now, the, the rape charges or whatever the heck is going on over there. Who even knows? It's so bad. But uh, are we good on Michigan State? Is yeah. there any closing thoughts we had on the Spartans? Yeah, well, I was just going to throw something out real quick. You know, you were talking about uh, D'Antonio a few minutes ago. What have you guys thought? Like, he's basically, like, disappeared. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, he wasn't even at – he did that, like, when the day he announced he, he was retiring, Michigan State basketball was playing, and he did, like, a quick little address the crowd for, like, a minute uh, at the game. He wasn't at Tucker's introductory press conference. I don't think – I mean, I'm not, like – paying close attention to local media in East Lansing. I don't think he's done like any interviews or stuff like that. Like he's basically like just rode off into the sunset. And like a side thing almost wonders if part of it is because of some of these, the court stuff going on. Like, is he just trying to like get away from it or something? Or it's just really strange. Like Jared, you talked about like their best coach ever, a legendary coach for Michigan state athletics. And he's just like gone. It's just, it's really strange. Yeah, I think, but I really do think, and I don't know about you guys, I've personally come to love Mark D'Antonio even more, like, over these last, like, few weeks, where it's, where I think, I really do believe the report that Michigan State went against his advice, and I think he's just kind of, you know, giving them two middle fingers and just saying, I'm not going to, you know, be there for the Mel Tucker uh, when he's getting, like, sworn in or whatever you want to say. I'm not going to do it. I'm done with you guys. You guys are just so ungrateful. You fans are telling me to bring in a new coordinator. You're telling me to do this and that. I give you guys my heart, my soul. I'm a Spartan. I bleed green, and yet you just treat me like trash. So I think that that's why he's not showing up in any of these things, and that's why you don't hear him talking in interviews. There could be some truth to that. I'm thinking, though, that you know, after some time, I think he's going to end up being like George Perlis was. I think he's still going to be hanging around the program. I would be shocked if he took another job somewhere else now. It's definitely in the realm of possibility, especially with the kind of money there is out there. And if you take a year off and you're just born to be a football coach, I could see him maybe coming back. But, I mean, it is a grind. It is definitely a grind. And his health isn't the best. And he does have a family that he wants to spend time with. And I can respect a guy if that is indeed the major part of the reason that uh, that he bailed when he did. Uh, Speaking of families, the CoronaConnection.com knows it's great to be gold. Keeping up to date on Cavalier Nation at at CoronaConnection.com. Speaking of Corona, make Corona your school of choice. It was our choice, although I think they might have failed a couple of us in this group. Beginnergarten and kindergarten registration for next fall is coming up March 5th and 6th. And if you were ever in Corona High School hallways... Be sure to check out the Nick and Nice and Frank Davis award displays where you will see three-point podcast member Jared Vitell's name. He displayed honor, integrity, toughness, and leadership during his days in those halls, or so I have heard. Young or old, it's great to be gold. All right, the Houston... I was going to say, too bad they didn't teach you how to read. <laughs> All right, the Houston Astros. Uh, I'm just going to ignore that comment. That's basically what I'm going to do there. The Houston Astros. They had... Um, Commissioner Rob Manfred of the MLB basically came out today and doubled down that the punishment he handed down to the Astros, which was basically uh, they lost four first and four total draft picks, two first rounders, two second rounders, and a five million dollar fine, which is nothing for the billion dollar Houston Astros organization. That might give you a little bit of a tease on which way I'm leaning. But where do we stand on the Houston Astros, kind of the fallout? All the players have been getting interviewed during spring training where they basically showed almost no remorse whatsoever. Well, I'll speak first, being the oldest uh, and longest baseball fan. I, I don't think they did enough to the players themselves. Yeah, they came down hard, fairly hard on the uh, the organization with the, you know the manager and general manager, but the players basically, Scott, go scot-free and they do have a certain arrogance about them that they're denying it you know Altuve said oh uh, you know uh, they didn't prove that I used a buzzer he didn't flat out say I didn't use one and you know I just think and I know Matt you and I disagree on this but I honestly think to send the right message Major League Baseball has to step in and vacate that 2017 title that's my opinion yeah, I guess the, I mean, yeah, we, we definitely disagree on that. Cause I, I think the biggest thing would be, it's just so hard to me to, to think about taking that title away because like Colin Cowherd was talking about it today and I've seen some other people talk about it. 
Okay, they, they were caught cheating. Like, they were literally caught cheating. They are cheaters. So I, I almost feel like the players, like you said, are the ones who probably deserve more punishment. I don't know what that would be, the managers and, you know, all that. Because, you know, you think about it, and people were caught using steroids, and people were caught doing other things, you know, cheating, cheating the game or however you want to word it, and they didn't get World Series taken away. You could almost wipe out, like, all of the 90s and early 2000s World Series if you're going to take – cheating teams world series away you know what i mean so that, yeah. that's kind of like the problem i have with that i guess the only difference would be though that every team in that era had players using steroids the astros were the only team i heard of that and you know there maybe were other teams using this video scheme but they were the ones that were caught they're the only ones we're talking about. Here's my problem and with... The, and they won the World Series. Yeah. What's funny is, is when the when the reports first came out, like, there's a, there's a quote-unquote Astros personnel, a few of them, who said that there are eight other teams who are doing this. But what's shocking to me is the amount of players in the MLB who have came out and basically just shitted on the Astros, everything that they've done. I mean, here's Trevor Bauer, Cincinnati Reds pitcher. Quote, unquote, they are hypocrites. They are cheaters. They've stolen from a lot of people, and the game itself was completely unfair. And then there's other players, um, like Cody Bellinger from the Dodgers, who's basically saying that Jose Altuve stole the MVP from Aaron Judge in 17. And he says that they stole the ring from us in 2017. I think that the fact that MLB players are coming out against them is the biggest knock. Because it's like when me or you or, or Matt are saying negative things about it, that's a, that's that's one thing. But when players who have to face against these guys, and clearly they didn't do it, or or they're just very good at faking it, and somehow they didn't get caught, and yet they're still coming out super against the Astros, I think that that's like the biggest indictment of them yet, is the fact that the whole MLB is essentially against this team. I feel like it might be one of those things. Like I, I, When I see that, and I, I get what you're saying, but I feel like this is just an opportunity for these players to make it look like they're squeaky clean. Like if we honestly think, if we you honestly think that the Astros are the only team doing anything like that, they might have taken it to the extreme level. But if we think that there is no other teams trying to steal signs or trying to give the batter a touch of a, an edge if they are able to steal a sign or something like that, then I don't know, maybe I'm like a cynic or something. But I feel like, like I said a few weeks ago when we talked about this, like cheating, like one of the biggest parts of baseball, Major League Baseball, is cheating. And it's just been that way forever, whether it's steroids or other performance enhancers or stealing signs or whatever. Everyone cheats. So, like, when I see these players come out being like, oh, man, they stole these awards from me, I would want to say, like, have you never done anything to cheat the game? I think Have you the- never taken any performance enhancer? Like, don't, don't get on your high horse here, Soapbox, because I'm sure you're not perfect. I, 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 okay, nobody's perfect. I agree with that. But I will say this, is the fact that when they start bringing out the buzzers, that's when I have a problem. Like the garbage bins, yeah. I have really not, I'm not, that doesn't have a big problem against me because it's kind of like the pitchers, you can't hear them clearly, you know, you can't catch on. I think it's part of the job is is the pitchers and the catchers to switch up their calls every once in a while, or their, or their signs. But the fact that they're using buzzers and, and, and even in the, their defense of it was just so, like, lacrimose, where Jose Altuve is basically not admit, basically saying that the MLB didn't find anything instead of saying whether or not he did it. And then you have these different reasons for why he didn't want to get his shirt ripped off. Like, one of them was, oh, his wife didn't want his, him shirtless on TV. The other one is he's shy. The other one, oh, he had an unfinished tattoo. Like, the fact that the players couldn't even get their story straight on why he didn't want his shirt ripped off, that's almost like a slap in the face. Like, how dumb are we? Right. And that, that's what, yeah, how dumb are we? And that's kind of what I mean, like, to, and I'm not, I'm not saying you're dumb, Jared, or I'm not trying to say that, but the people who think that, the people who think that, like, these players coming out and, like, bashing the Astros, like, they've never cheated, I feel like that's similar. Like, I want to, like, do you think a pitcher has never scuffed a ball? Do you think a pitcher has never, like, put a little Vaseline or anything, nothing like that, or a little icy hot on the elbow? A pitcher has never done that? Like, there's a side to me, like, I mean, I'm a huge, I Justin Verlander is one of my favorite players ever, but he's starting to rub me the wrong way. Yep. Yeah. With like some of the stuff he's saying about like juiced balls. And then this whole situation, how he's acting like, like he was oblivious or like he should have said something earlier. Like some of this other stuff he's saying, it's like, come on, like, I don't know. I, it rubs me the wrong way. People acting like the Astros are the only ones doing something, I guess. They were just, like you said, they, they took it to the most extreme level and got caught. That's the biggest thing. I mean, my, 
And just from the press conference that came out where Jim Crane, owner of the Astros, came out and basically said, our opinion is this didn't impact the game. And then when the when the when a, when a reporter asked him like, "Wait, how did this not impact the game?" He said, "I didn't say that." Like when with when it's stuff like that, like how does that not just make you sick to your stomach? Like Matt, even you says everyone cheats. When you hear an owner say something as as just kind of sly as that, how does it not piss you off? Oh no, it does. Because yeah, that's just stupid. I mean, you like literally just said it. And I'm not necessarily saying like I think everyone cheats because that's like. That's being a little, a little too cynical. I, I just think, like, maybe, like, the majority of people, or there's a lot of people who cheated. Like, you know, some people say, like, the steroid era, era everyone used steroids. Well, that's not true because no. not everyone used steroids back then. So, you know, it's tough to, like, blink at that whole era as, like, everyone used steroids. That's not fair. So I, I just, you know, it's like when people, whether it's like in personal lives or whatever, when people like take shots at someone because they made a mistake or they got in trouble, got arrested, whatever it is, and they start saying like someone's a bad person for that, I want to be like, well, have you never gotten in trouble? Like, have you never done anything? Like, who are you to like pass judgment? You know, I was going to bring up the, you, you brought up the tattoo thing. So I, that was like the, the excuses that people are coming out with about Altuve are actually like getting pretty funny. The tattoo <laughs> thing made me laugh because I don't know if you guys saw like, so a picture was starting to circulate. It actually like was going all over on Twitter um, of Altuve. They must have been like him and like some dudes were at a beach or something like that. But they were in some water shirtless, and everyone was posting it and saying like, "Look at that! There's Altuve, no tattoo." And of course, when something like that's posted, it spreads like wildfire. I mean, it starts getting retweeted and everything like crazy. And the first thing I thought is, how is everyone just thinking like this picture is like a current picture? Right. Like, this, this picture could have been taken like months ago. And sure enough, someone like found it or whatever, found the source. And it was taken like three months before that home run he hit off of Chapman. So like, I'm not saying I believe the tattoo story. It's pretty ridiculous, but like people saying like, look, there's a picture of Altuve. We know a tattoo. Okay. Well like find a picture of me when I was eight years old and I didn't have a tattoo then, you know? So it's like, if you're going to, if you're going to run with that picture, that doesn't really prove that it was wrong. I thought I just read today that he does indeed have a tattoo of his, I think his daughter's name up on his collarbone area. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I see so, Matt. It, it wasn't in that picture because he hadn't gotten it yet. It's, yeah. fu- it's funny, Matt, how that's what you get from uh, that picture. Whereas all I could think about if I saw that was, well, clearly he's not shy to have his shirt off. I mean, if you look like a Jose Altuve, I mean, I think all three of us can agree. If you look like Jose Altuve, you're not shy about your shirt coming off. I, yeah. I, I, I'll speak for Ted on this one. As two guys who yeah. are a little bit don't love having their shirt off in, in a in a in a public setting, we know what that feels like. Jose Altuve doesn't have that yeah. feeling. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll be curious to see. You were talking about how like basically all of Major League Baseball has come up against the Astros. This season's going to be weird. I mean, like Manfred has already come out and said, like basically he said no throwing intentionally at the Astros. I feel like there's how are other teams going to treat the Astros? Like. Well, I mean, is it going to just be like, are we going to kind of forget about it by, you know, like May or June? Or are, are they going to start throwing at dudes? You know, I'm going to be, it actually like, it makes me like a tad more interesting. Oh, no, you're right. <laughs> no, Matt, you are so, and I know this is going to be shocking. This upcoming season and this story in general, the fact I'm like been really kind of reading everything about this Astros scandal. But this upcoming baseball season is the most I've been excited. I've been so excited for this upcoming season, more than any season my entire life, even when I was in love with baseball when I was 10 years old. Because this Astros storyline, whether or not they go on to rip off a 20-game win streak or a 20-game losing streak, it's going to be great either way. Because if they win, it's going to be, look, we it wasn't all just because we were stealing signs. And if they lose, everyone's going to say, clearly you were no good. The only reason you were good is because you were stealing signs. And I can't wait. Yep. All right, moving forward to the NBA All-Star Weekend. So the All-Star Game just happened last night. Team LeBron beat Team Giannis. And, fellas, I got to say it, I think that was the best All-Star Game I've ever seen. I know Ted probably has some, you know, game from 1973, Bob Cousy and Jerry West. It was a, it was a great All-Star Game. But for my money and for my entire lifetime, that fourth quarter, I've never seen NBA players play as hard as they did, and I've never seen that much talent 
pretty much on one court. Yeah, we have like the dream team and the Olympic team, but usually they're playing against a bunch of uh, scrubs that we might be able to beat, the three-point podcast team. So the fact that it, that was the quality we got, hand up. I thought the new format was horrible, but clearly it wasn't. And clearly players like the like LeBron James and Giannis clearly bought in and made it just must-watch TV. Let me jump in real quick. I have to be a little bit neutral on this because I – I'm in D.C. doing some family things. Didn't get a chance to watch the game myself. I know some of our listeners probably don't understand. Even I am not 100% sure how the rule changes work. Can you give a quick nutshell sketch of the changes and why it was so great? Yeah, so essentially so what they did... The, oh, go uh, ahead. Good. So essentially no, go what they did was... Uh, each team was representing a charity. I don't have the names of the charity off the top of the dome, but each each team was representing a charity. And if you won the quarter, a hundred grand would be going to the charity of your or, yeah, hundred grand would be going to the charity of your choice. And then the scores would keep on accumulating. The scores would reset at the end of every quarter, but the total running total would keep going. And then in the fourth quarter, in an ode to Kobe Bryant, it was the first team to score twenty four points. So, but what that means is that basically the leading team, which was Team Giannis, they were up by nine. 24 points added onto their total was like the number you had to hit, and it ended up being 157. And then Anthony Davis ends up winning it for Team LeBron. They come all the way back in the fourth quarter, and he ends up winning it. So that was the change of format. And, and I think what had to do with it, the charity played a huge part in why the players decided to play hard, I think. But the main thing to me, I, I think like it, it was this. Something along the line, this clicked in LeBron James's head where he said, I'm going to play hard. And as soon as LeBron starts playing hard, the rest of the league is going to follow. I mean, he, he's the alpha. So I feel like all you have to do, everyone's kind of tipping their cap to the formatting and this and that. I think it's this. If you can convince LeBron to play hard, then you're going to have a great all-star game. It's as simple as that. Yeah, it's that, that Elon scoring system. I'm sure you've heard it called that, Ted. Yeah. Yeah, the aggregate. So, yeah, it, it would. it's one of those things, like, if the first three quarters, say, Team LeBron won each quarter by 10 and was up by 30 going into the fourth quarter, it wouldn't have been that exciting. Because the other team would have had to score 54 points. But because it was a pretty close game going into the fourth quarter, it made that, yeah, you have to first one to get to 157, like Jared said, super exciting. The charities definitely was a cool touch because the first three quarters were actually exciting because a couple of them, at least one was really close. So, like, I mean, there were timed quarters like normal games. So, like, they were going down to the wire trying to win 100 grand for their charity. So, you know, super exciting. And, yeah, I mean, there's been some other recent uh, all-star games that have gotten really competitive in the fourth quarter, but this one did seem to have a different edge. I mean, like, I don't know if you saw videos on Twitter or anything, Ted, but, like, the players, it was it, it honestly reminded me of, like, a pickup game. They were, like, they were going after it. They were arguing with the refs. They were, like, running legit plays. But, you know, it was a lot of kind of, like, street ball because these are just a bunch of – you know, the all-stars on every team that they play for. So it, it was a little sloppy at times, but the intensity was there. It was fun. I mean, it went right down to the wire, like, like uh, Jared said, and, you know, it was cool. And it made it like, it made it a little more interesting to watch because when it's just a complete blowout and there's no defense, then yeah, it's cool, but it's not that fun. So no, do, it sounds like a winner. Well, well a it's it. shot. It's I know you're on vacation. I know this and that, but the time the game was on, I know of your age, you're probably winding down. You're in your hotel room or wherever the heck you've been sleeping. And the fact that you didn't watch it, like, is that kind of where people are? Is it, it, do we just not care about it? I made it basically, no. it was appointment television. And it sounds like Matt was similar, but you're just like, I don't, I could care less. No, I'll give you the honest truth. I'm in a, I'm staying at Amy's house. They have an antenna. What, what channel was it on? Was it on TBS or TNT? Yes. TNT. Yeah, we would have had to stream something through the computer. It was just too big of a headache. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, I think to that point, they need more all stars like this because I think the reputation of all star games it was getting to the point where like you didn't need to watch. So you know, if there were people like on the fence, yeah, I might watch. I may not. They probably didn't watch because the some of the recent ones were almost boring to an extent, unless unless you're a big basketball fan. But this, they need some more like this. Because it, it honestly was cool to see these guys, like like you said, they, I mean, these are the best 10, you know, 10 of the best players in the NBA out there just like playing hard. And I mean, it looked like an Olympics or something like that. It was super exciting. And then, you know, the fact that it was an all-star game, there were some cool dunks and cool shots and stuff like that. But 
but it was fun to see. And like speaking, like the the dunk contest was cool too. Yeah, the dunk. So the dunk contest for those who don't know, uh, and maybe for Ted who just flat flat out does not really care. Um, Aaron Gordon, for basically the second time in his career, was robbed of winning, and that was by the judges. Derek Jones Jr. of the Miami Heat ends up winning. Uh, that's another event. Like, where do we stand on the three or uh, on the uh, dunk contest? Are we fans of it, or is it is it really we just don't care? People kind of tend to get mad about just about anything. Where do we stand on that? Well, I think I think we've talked about it in the past. And by the way, I did happen to see the highlights on Twitter and. Yeah, he did get he did get robbed, but I think the biggest problem with the dunk contest, and I think we'll all agree on this. I mean, you got to have the stars participate. They got to yeah. be some names that that are in the contest. Yep. Yeah, because yeah, even even Aaron, I mean, like Dwight Howard was in there, but you know he he was you know he's past his prime a little bit. He can still his dunks weren't that bad, but you know Aaron Gordon is kind of like the big name, but right. like unless you really follow basketball, like he's not like a in-house name or whatever you know like there's probably a lot of people who don't know who Aaron Gordon is even if they watch their basketball team but yeah the, the stars have got to be there you know and has, that's LeBron, one has LeBron ever been in it no yeah he's... that's what I was gonna say Le- LeBron has never done it and that's actually one little knock that people have had on him obviously he's still gonna go down and first battle hall of fame all that stuff but people have said like the fact that he never once did a, a dunk contest is a, a, a little bit of a knock on him he is one of the best dunkers of all time yeah. Yeah. He, he, yeah. The, the fact that there's no star power is a problem. I'm not. I'm not necessarily sure how you fix that. I think that's just the changing times with load management and everything. These guys kind of just want a night off. But I do. Yeah. I do think this maybe with Zion coming back next, come, maybe doing it next year. I think that could be a big draw. But the thing with me oh, and yeah. my problems with the dunk contest is this: it's all about the pageantry to me. Like, a, a lot of these guys, like you said, there's no star power, but they just do dunks. Like, yeah, they're really cool dunks, but what makes it awesome is when you have um, Dwight Howard in the Superman cave. Like, is, is when you have Blake Griffin in the in the, in the the Detroit choir. It, it's, like, it's when you have stuff like that that makes it cool, and I feel like guys, they just don't understand that. Bring in the props. And then the other problem yeah. I do have with, with the dunk contest, and a lot of people did, was with the judging. Everything's a 10 nowadays. It's almost like they're judging yeah. it on like the 1983 scale, where Spud Webb's doing an alley-oop <laughs> dunk and they're rating it a 10. It's like the dunk, dunking has evolved, and the judging needs to evolve with it. Not every, you know, jumping over a guy isn't always a 10. So I think that that's a big problem where they need to get with a 10, maybe get Julius Irving out of there who's judging it on his scale and, and get some of these new bloods in there who actually know what they're judging. It's too easy. Well, I think that, I think like to that point, like if you watched all of those dunks, even the two guys, Pat Connaughton and Dwight Howard, who were eliminated after the first round, their dunks were ridiculous. Yeah. Like these guys are making these dunks look, especially the guy Eric, Aaron, geez, Aaron Gordon and Derek Jones. They're making their dunks look like routine. And these are dunks that if you would have done these 15, 20 years ago, people would have been like losing their mind out of these dunks because they're they're insane. So right, I don't know if the scoring needs to be adjusted or what, but then it's also like not doing justice to the dunks because these dunks are ridiculous. I mean, Derek Jones did like a windmill dunk from the free throw line, and Aaron Gordon jumped over Taco Fall, who's seven foot five. Like yeah. I mean, this is, I mean like they they make these things look routine and it's insane. I know like Jordan and Dominique Wilkins they had some ridiculous dunks. But, like sometimes when you go back and watch some of the old dunk contests, it is almost just like. They're doing like a double pump reverse. Yeah. Or right. like, you know, they're doing like an up and under dunk. And it's like, you got Aaron Gordon taking the ball off the side of the backboard, 360 one handed windmill, and making it look easy. Like, <laughs> that was that was sweet. That was That's sweet. Insane. Watching that slow motion, man. Yeah. Like, even that dunk, that Dwight Howard dunk, that like the first one he did, where he like, he jumped and kind of like paused in midair and smiled and then kept spinning around and dunked it, that's ridiculous. Like, that is, for a seven-footer or however big he is, that's insane. Yeah, speaking of just incredible things, everybody likes a great deal, right? Go online at SheridanAuctionService.com for info on upcoming auctions. I almost feel like attending an auction is a bucket list type thing. I mean, I've been to two in my life, and let me just say they are electric. 
But the auction house is packed with all kinds of great items. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com and sign up for their email notifications or call Troy Crow at 989-720-SELL for other details. All right, fellas, uh, we talked a little bit about Michigan State coaching right off the rip. Michigan coaching, in a sense. John Beeline at Cleveland is reportedly reportedly out. Our thoughts on that, is is this Beeline just not being able to adapt to the NBA, or is this a sour bunch of NBA players and a bad organization with the Cleveland Cavaliers that it kind of forced him out? I think he uh, got a look at Andre Drummond for a couple days and said, I'm out of here. <laughs> No, I, I mean, I think it's it's probably like all of that. I mean, we talked about it when Beeline took the job. That yeah. he, he had said before that he wanted at some point, it was like a challenge he wanted for his career to coach in the NBA. He, he had been exploring that for like the last four or five years he was at Michigan. It seemed like he was always getting offers. So like it was still a surprise when he left. But we said that like, man, we, we I think we all kind of agreed. We weren't sure how his style like his like program would translate to the NBA with millionaire adult grown men NBA players and it clearly hasn't hasn't translated and and it's kind of a shame because I don't think it's going to be like a knock on his legacy I don't think people are going to forget how great of a coach he is but it sucks that it didn't even I mean it looks like it might not even last one season yeah I mean it's really sad I mean we did talk about it when he took the job. You know, it was it was only, it was a little bit of a head scratcher because you know we 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 watched John Beeline his entire career, especially at Michigan. The guy it was he had college coach written all over him, and you know you can't. We didn't blame him. We 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 wished him luck. We said, hey, if that's your lifelong dream to make it to the ultimate to the NBA, good for you. I'm just when this news came down, I'm just. I'm just saddened, you know. The guy's a class act. He's a great coach, and these prima donna players that what, have 14, 14 wins on the season, that they, yep. they run the show, and they have to run him out of town. I wish management would have said, you know what, players, F you. He's our coach. He's going to be here. If you don't like it, take a hike, because they're a shit team to begin <laughs> with. You can bring in some new players and, you know, back your coach for guys. Here's the thing with that, though. Is it's not like he's coaching LeBron James or a bunch of veterans. Like this is they're like they're I think they're one of the two youngest teams in the in the entire league that he's coaching. I mean he's coaching guys who are just out of college, Colin Sexton, uh, and amongst other guys like that. So it's like it's something like that that kind of makes me think a little bit is off with Beeline, especially when you have the thugs and slugs things that are coming out. Kevin yeah. Love, who played for Ty Lue and uh, David Blatt and played hard for them, is now coming to. Uh, this program, and now he's like, he's not even trying the entire year. And then there's this quote that came out with the original report, which is basically, quote-unquote, friends and associates of Beeline have described him as unhappy, even miserable, with the move to the Cavaliers. The losing that comes with the rebuild, as well as several skirmishes in public and private with players, has played a part in the rapid deterioration, sources said. I don't know about you guys, that just comes out as really whiny to me. Like, like, dude, you're an NBA coach. Like, yeah, you're going to have a little bit of a tough run. What did you think was going to happen? You're going to come in and you're going in 40 games year one? Like, this is clearly a rebuild. Like, what did you expect? So yeah. I just think that he came off a little bit whiny in that report. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I, yeah, I guess I'm not going to go as far as saying whiny. I, I can understand what you're saying. I, I feel like maybe it's like, uh, you know, if they sucked, they definitely sucked. The Cavs are terrible. But if, like, guys were buying in, if they could see, like, what he was trying to teach them, what his, like, philosophy was, that'd be completely different. But it has to be frustrating yeah. to have guys, like, just not buying in. Clearly checked out, don't care, probably just, like, not listening to him. Like, flat out just, like, not listening to him, just going off and doing their own thing. It's got to be frustrating, but, you know, yeah, there is a side that, like, yeah, you knew it was going to be a challenge. You knew the Cavs were in a rebuild. So you wonder, like, you got to try and stick it out. So you almost wonder, was it like, is it like a mutual thing? Like, you know, he's he might be very unhappy. The Cavs also don't see it going well, so they kind of looked at each other and said, like, hey, this isn't working. Yeah, cut no, bait. Right. Cut bait, you know. Yeah, that's what they're doing. And back to my original statement, I, I'm just sad by it, you know. Yeah. You, say it, you say it doesn't really taint his legacy, but it, it does a little bit, you know. It right. doesn't, doesn't taint his whole college career, but it, it's a little – Black mark. I mean, the fact yeah, that he couldn't get through one year. I'm not right. That, that's what's crazy. He couldn't even. Well, it, I think he still might finish this year. I mean, I guess we'll see. But I think, like I said, he's not going to be the coach beyond this season for sure. Right. But um, 
Because, yeah, like we, I'm not saying he's on Nick Saban's level, but like when you talk about Nick Saban, obviously greatest college football coach ever, but, you know, you do always then hear like, yeah, but he couldn't do it in the NFL. You know, yeah, like, true. It's always kind of like a not really like Spurrier. And it's here like, yeah, it didn't work in the NFL, though. So, yeah, I don't know if that'll be said. But what do we think? What do we think Beeline? I don't know. What do we think is maybe like, in our opinion, he can do whatever he wants, obviously. But what do, what do we think I, he should do? I Go think he's college. Yeah. Or like. Going to administration, go to the athletic department. Like, what do you think? I think he's going to go back into coaching. I mean, and I sadly, I wouldn't be surprised if, let's say, Archie Miller doesn't end up doing very well at Indiana. He's had okay year this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he slides right into Bloomington and just turns them into a national power. I mean, he's he's a, we saw the sort of the same thing where Billy Donovan. There's a lot of rumors of him coming back to college, even with the Michigan job this year and so I feel like his name's gonna get thrown out in the rumor mills even if he never comes back to coaching he's gonna be in the rumor mills for the next 10 years until I think he does eventually come back and sadly I root for John Beeline but I do think it's gonna be like kind of at our peril where he comes back to the college game and beats Michigan in like a a big time like tournament game or something like that at at a USC a UCLA or Indiana or somewhere like that yeah you're probably right unless you know now though you guys probably are more in tune with this. Wasn't his son uh, moving up the college ranks, but didn't he lose his job because of some sort of scandal or something? Yeah, I, I didn't read much of the details into the scandal, but yeah, he did lose his job. So people have even said, like, maybe he would try to get to a school and, you know, hire his son as an assistant to try and start grooming him back to be a head coach, mm-hmm. you know, doing something like that. Like yeah, people that- said, like, maybe he would go to Texas hire his son as an assistant at Texas or Indiana. People are talking about Indiana a lot, but wow. my, my hopes are because I don't want that to happen because I don't no. want him to beat us. Uh, I would love like, you know, people have said, I don't know if it's true or not, but people have said like he hasn't sold his house in Ann Arbor and, you know, he's talked about wanting to stay in. That's why he went to Cleveland. He wanted to stay around that area, hire him into the athletic department, you know, yeah. give him a nice little salary. You know, I don't know what the title would be, you know, I don't know, keeping an eye on, like, recruiting stuff or something. I don't know. Do something. Like, get him in the athletic department. Because could you imagine, like, that kind of pull, that having that name in there? Like, yeah. he's the winningest coach in Michigan basketball history. So, like, have him. If you need him to recruit a little, if you need him to do some speeching engagements or stuff like that, that that'd be a, a really cool move. Yeah, again, sad. Sad about the Cleveland situation and sad if he moves on elsewhere. What, so here's here's a hypothetical that I want to throw out on the table. Let's say that the Cleveland Cavaliers come to Michigan administration, put on your administrator hats, take off your podcaster hats, throw on the administrator hats, and let's say they say, hey, we'll straight up trade you Juwan Howard for John Beeline. Do, who says no? Are you guys agreeing to that trade? Or are you saying, screw off, we like Juwan Howard? Um, I think I just personally, I, as much as I love John Beeline as a coach, like hearing you say that, obviously that's like intriguing. I, there's a side to me that I'm not saying Juwan's already on John Beeline's level. I'm not saying that. But I, f- I feel like maybe it was one of those things like the timing was right to start moving on. If Juwan's really cleaning up and recruiting, he's learning a lot. He's got Phil Martelli on his staff. He's learning a lot as a coach. I don't know, like, maybe Michigan's, like, going in a, a very good direction. You know what I mean? So, like, as great as Beeline was, obviously, it's not taking anything away. I, I think I would say no. I think I would say I, no. I like, I like what Juwan's doing. I'd say no, 100% no. I love Beeline. He's a big boy. He made his choice. He left the Wolverines. You can't stab Juwan in the back. you got to be 100% on board with him. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of Michigan and Indiana – Card Service Michiana offers the best credit card setup and equipment for both new and existing merchants. The salesmen there are guaranteed to save you money. No contract, no monthly minimums, or early termination fees. Contact us at 3PointPod for details. And also, podcast is brought to you by Promac Engineering. Check out the Promac Pros for any industrial field service projects, large or small. Promac Engineering specializes in turnkey installations, startup, and specialty plastic fabrication find our number on our website and ask for mingo when you call it he's a real stand-up guy and he's going to make sure you have all your industrial service project needs met for more details go online at promech pro-mech.com or hit us up here at three point pod matt frig jerry it's time for my nba all-star rap 
Don't nap, get my rap. It ain't scary. My rap vocabulary, it's revolutionary. First, a shout out to Kobe24. Tribute was moving. Need I say more? Yo, it was tragic. But we had magic. Not a dry eye as they said goodbye. Jay Hudson's song was moving. As I was grooving. Chi Town, approving. And then we had our long intro. Way too slow, bro. Seemed like an hour. Felt like a cold shower. Hate to be dour. But when will LeBron throw up his flower power? As the intro went longer, my patience grew louder. I have been this mad since Jackie threw up my clam chowder. President Obama, MJ, D-Way, Zeke. Get out your fitty tweets. The long openings they should delete. I repeat, it was complete overkill. Gave me no chills or thrill. In fact, I'm still feeling defeat as I burned up my meat. 40 minutes later, I was ready to retreat. Where's my seat? I thought, man, tip off will be sweet. But it's taken nearly a week. And my knees are getting weak. And finally a team. Goodbye to the lame. On to the game. Giannis, Team LeBron, quite a show. They put on it. Got some Chaka Khan. But where's my Zion? I screamed, where's the ballin'? Can't stand pregame stallin'. My mother nature's callin'. On my knees, I began crawlin'. I finally heard Marv Alpert, yes, with a callin'. I say, yo, about time. My blood pressure began a fallin'. Out! Hey guys, that's my uh, NBA 2020. I know it's a fan favorite. So I love the game, guys. Uh, I'm sentimental to baseball all-stars, but I believe the NBA all-star is the best of all the major professional sports for all-star viewing. The new scoring system worked out well, and I'd like to see the format adopted in college and high school Immediately, each game will have an end-of-the-game excitement based on the need for the losing team to ramp up scoring and their defending while eliminating the boring clock stoppages with numerous fouls. I will say that my initial thought on a free throw by Davis settling the outcome was somewhat anticlimactic, say not as dramatic as, a, say, a game-ending three-pointer. However, on further reflection, it was awesome to see an all-star athlete standing on a simple free throw line with all the pressure of his peers and the world of fans watching great drama. As far as the dunk contest, they should have either A, awarded the winners co-winners, or B, the judges get together and decide a winner the best of the bestest. I've never been a big fan of individual dunks, guys, as you know. However, watching this all-star game, I'd like to share two kinds of dunks that I will never get tired of watching. Number one, the alley-oop dunk. What precision, timing, and athleticism it takes for two players to synchronize a perfect pass, jump, and power dunk. And last but not least, the rebound dunk. Everybody gets out of their seat when you see a guy take a rebound and slam it down. So that's all I have for tonight, guys. Speaking of dunk, I think I'll go get uh, drunk. All right, see you guys. Uh, but it's my 21st birthday is uh, coming up here on February 28th. More specifically, we are going out February 28th and 29th. And I threw this po this topic out to you guys because I love to get your guys' advice on things. You know, you've kind of been there. You've done that. So do you guys, one, do you guys remember your 21st birthday? And two, would you have any advice on how to make the most out of that night? Do you want to start, Ted? Uh, I'll start. I'll make it easy. Uh, I'm so old, fellas that the legal drinking age was 18. <laughs> yeah, so, I forgot about that. So I went out, I went out on my 18th birthday, and uh, I started it out with lunch and a beer at the Cavalier Bar in Piranha. I, nice. finished, I finished my work day and then uh, hit all the other, spot, all the other spots in Owasso, had a couple buddies take me out, and ended up at one of the greatest bars of all time in our area. And you guys may have heard the name before. 
but uh, it's long gone. It was called the Sunset, and it was oh. it was a, it was kind of like the Wayside, I guess. Um, it was a it was a bar where you could walk around the whole perimeter. You know, you could walk around it. They had the dance floor at one end. Yep. You'd walk around the back, the back. It had pool tables, and then you could just make the circuit. You know, trolling around yep. for what you're interested in. So that's that was mine. And, and to give you a little advice, I, maybe I shouldn't give you any advice because we're related. I'd probably tell you to keep it cool, man. But uh, I know it won't work out that way. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the circuit. So Matt's a little bit closer to your age. Let Matt give you the the circuit. The circuit, yeah, so. the, the circuit at, at a bar, Ted, like you were talking about, that is an essential part to a great bar. I, you feel it's like a loser. Answer. Like if you have a bar that's only like one sort of walking lane, and if you want to kind of peruse and see who's there, you have to walk by somebody, and then you're a loser that's right walking right past them again. You feel like a loser. So it's really critical 100%. for a bar to have like a circular kind of walking area to it yep no man that's huge and so so it was 21 i'm not that old it was it was 21 you know for me but um just i guess just the story so yeah i was in grand rapids i was at grand valley state when i turned 21 so jared you know downtown grand rapids there's a buffalo wild wings down right by the van ando they had a buffalo there, wild wings back in those days i think i thought buffalo wild wings no, was like no, a no. 2010 brand oh okay go ahead no there, there was Buffalo Wild Wings back then. They just weren't as big. But where that one is, it was a bar that we used to get. It was called Taps. Um, we okay. used to go there all the time. So I had some friends who lived right downtown. Uh, I went. A bunch of people came out. Uh, and so your your original question is, do you remember your 21st? The answer, <laughs> the answer is no, I don't. <laughs> I, re- I remember the beginning, and then I remember waking up on my buddy's couch the next morning. Um, and there's a lot of pictures that I, I don't remember, but, um, no, it's a blast. And, you know, you, I, I guess you probably know the stuff that's going to go on or whatever. You're probably not going to remember it or you're going to have a good time. As far as advice though, I would just say you do whatever the hell you want, but <laughs> the advice I would give is like to make sure you've got at least one or two. I know you, you, you got your best friends, you trust your friends. But have one or two dudes that you know aren't also going to get hammered with you. So, like, luckily, my buddy, like, he told me at the beginning of the night, like, I'm only going to have a few. I'll make sure you get back to my place and, you know, you have a place to crash. Make sure you've got someone that has that. Because if you're the one that's, like, just getting pretty lit yeah, and also everyone else is, too, that's just, like, the recipe for a bad night for everyone. So, like, that would be my thing. Like, you know, try and have a decent meal that you're, you know, you're, you might end up puking up. So don't have something like really gross. <laughs> like have a decent meal that might soak some stuff up, have a good time, but make sure, you know, you got someone that's going to like keep an eye on your phone, keep an eye. Like if you open the tab, you shouldn't have to open a tab. Everyone should be paying for you. Yeah. Right. Um, but you know, I try and like have someone with you that's going to keep an eye on everything, I guess is my, my thing. What Matt, let me just jump in real quick. Uh, Cause I know it's going to be shot city, right? I mean, yeah, probably. Left and right, you know. And how, how do you avoid, you know, being obliterated by nine <laughs> thirty? I mean, for me, like I, that that's kind of what started putting me over the top. Like I remember we went out to eat. We went to the Taps, you know, that bar downtown, Grand Rapids, and we we did. We stayed downstairs. We had we ate, had a few beers or whatever, and then we went when we went upstairs to where like the club was. That's when the starts the the shots started getting poured out and. That's when I, I don't remember. Apparently, we went to like three more bars after that. And I don't remember any of that. But uh, yeah, I mean, you you know, you always hear the thing like try and mix some water in there. Try and like if if the place has like some breadsticks or you know stuff like that, pretzels. Try and have some of that stuff. Um, I remember the the one that put me over the top. It was a three wise men shot. That, that uh, I'm not gonna have like, those. That's like yeah, a so, someone tell me. That's like a 21st like tradition, isn't it, to get a three Wiseman? I feel yeah. like I, that's usually what happens. I'm not going to drink that. That's a, that's a 100% yeah. promise. I will say this. This is important to note, though, on the ability not to be obliterated by 930. Uh, first time drinking since Thanksgiving Eve. It, it's sort of like an athlete coming back from like an ACL tear or something. Like You don't know. Like Is he going to be the same? Is he going to be better than like when he was injured, like a Zion? Or is he going to never be the same, like a D-Rose? So that's kind of an interesting storyline that you guys might want to pay attention to. No, you're, you're going to be like when, uh, I don't know, like when Michael Vick kept trying to come back. Like, no. It's, it's not <laughs> he had a good run. I think, I think, 
I think that the alcohol tolerance thing, I think it's not a myth. I think like you can you can build up a tolerance. I, I don't know. I'll be curious to hear how it goes. Maybe yeah, maybe you'll come back better than ever. Or maybe like two drinks in, you're gonna be like rolling around on the dance floor. Uh, Jared, I know your crew you roll with are all great guys, but I, I agree with what Matt said. Make sure one of them is taking care of you, man. Yeah, yeah, because there's like I remember like I mean like a couple little things coming in and out during that night. I remember it was it was snowy. My birthday's in December, so it was a little snowy downtown. And at one point, I remember like having like both my arms around a couple buddies, like put my feet dragging. Yeah. So I kind of and then I remember like one of my good friends. Uh, like he, I, I was puking and he was like kind of helping me or whatever. So like that, that kind of came back to me. So like, luckily I had a couple of buddies who enjoyed it. They had a good time too, but they were like, uh, you know, I'm going to make sure we don't all like end up in jail or sleeping in an alley or something like that. Yeah. I have woke up in a hospital once or twice or just once, but let's hope that that doesn't happen uh, again, but that's it for now. Um, be sure to subscribe and rate us on all the big podcasting sites, including Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. It's free and it helps us continue to grow. Send your comments on topics or guest suggestions to at Three Point Pod. Support our Three Point Podcast partners and tell them you listen in Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, The Kernot Connection, Card Service Michiana, The Crown of Public Schools, and Pro Mac Engineering. Also, be sure to check out our network friends at Sports Radio Detroit. Thanks again for listening and supporting. Three point podcast, as Ted would say. I'm in Central Pay, I had a check wrist. Wow. I just bought my girl a new necklace. One, two, three, four, five, six. I take them all, don't matter what the price is. I said, I'm sorry, mama, for my vices. You'll never understand what my life is. One, two, three, four, five, six. Shit, I'm checking off my List. You try to give advice, I don't need it I've been doing what I want since feed It's what you call a holiday, I call another day And I ain't never stopping, no apologies Such a long time Tropea at the check wrist.